to the back porch. Come have a seat. Episode 4, Bow Season Eve. This episode is presented by Stillfire Distilleries. Three sheets to the wind, glasses moonshine. Drink more moonshine. Bow Season Eve. I can near, I'm nearly peeing my pants. I can't wait until tomorrow. Been uh, hard at it for the last three months, getting ready for this day. Checking my cameras, putting my bait out, putting my mineral out, making sure my tree didn't fall over. So, you know, let's, uh, let's go around. We'll talk to Chris and see what Chris has been doing to get ready for this season. Yeah, this year, didn't have a lot of time. I was away for three months straight, so we kind of limited what the timing I had this year. I was able to get a blind up, get the cameras out, found a couple places where some big boys are walking through. So I set up on those spots. This year, not planning on doing much baiting, just because of my time frame for work this year. Using the uh, scrape fix vine, that seems to be working a lot. I got a ton of pictures where does and bucks are hitting that just about every night. Probably the best forty bucks I ever spent. Didn't your uh, Didn't you lose your your vine this year? Yeah, I actually one they hit it so much they knocked it down and then they. They chewed it all up and I can't find it anywhere. So <laughs> I ended up, I had another one took from another spot and moved it to that spot because I figured it was a better spot to have it at. So, so when I was out with you this year, you, when we were helping set up, you uh, you had the uh, the spreader, the uh, the feed spreader. How you find that's working for you? Uh, not very successful with it so far. I found the batteries are draining really quick on it. So I got to get a rechargeable battery for it, and I got a solar panel charger for it. So I just wait for that to come in, and once that comes in, I'm hoping to have some more success with that. That's the Ameristep spreader. American American Hunter. American Hunter. Yeah. Well, maybe you can do a, a demo on that sure. later on, discuss the issues you've had with it. Yeah. So you've got, at your spot, you've got three locations or two locations that you have set up, a tree stand and a, a tree blind, or a, and a blind? Yeah, that's just the two spots this year. Usually I go for three or four, but it's not happening this year. So. Chris only hunts when the wind's right. So given his uh, his line of work, he only has a certain number of days that he can hunt in the run of a, a season. So he's been he's been patiently waiting. So yeah, I've got it a couple times. Lots of does. Hopefully we'll get coming out and go from there. We've seen those bucks come out on the camera. Chris almost uh, messed his pants. Yeah, this he's, year's been quite a quite a fine this year. He was dancing for sure. Logan, how uh, have you been setting up and getting ready for season? I've set up a ground wooling this year for the first time for archery and check my tree stand still standing. And set up a little brush blind down in the chopping that I hunt in. That's more for later season, but yeah, I've been putting apples out and carrots since mid July. I've had a lot of time to do much because of work, but last few weeks been pretty heavy into it because work stopped because of school yeah you been fine they've been hitting your bait hard oh yeah they cleaned up bag here tonight and three three does and two fawns and it's a nice six point that's been coming so far any bears coming in no picture of a bear go one picture of a coyote but just one didn't stick around so the one thing that we're we're seeing at most of our sites this year is uh, it's been a fairly good year for 
for the offspring. And uh, so I know myself and, and Chris for sure, and, and I'm not sure I haven't seen the, the pictures over at your site there, Logan, but I know for sure that uh, I have uh, two does coming in, and, and I have one of the does has twin yearlings. Same. And same, so he, yeah, yeah. So you know, twin yearlings. I mean, this is this is going to be a. It's a good year. So we had a good uh, good winter last year. So a lot of these deer are, are making it through. So one of the things I noticed uh, at my site, and it was kind of strange when I walked in. Uh, I walk in a different way to my tree stand than I normally do. And uh, when I walk down through the first day of bow season, or when I when I when I walk down to check my my blind. Uh, preparing for the first day of bow season, I noticed that there was a the left remains of a of a, a doe, full remains, uh, skull, all the bones were sitting there. There was no fur, there was no meat. It had been there obviously since last year. I can't imagine that it was uh, that it was shot. And if it was, uh, if coyotes would have taken it, I suspect they would have strewed it uh, along. So I I don't know if it was sick or if if uh, the wind you know the snow took it. But we didn't have a a, a bad winter last year so it was something i uh, come across so i'm going to turn it over to mike and and i know that i've been helping him a bit too with his new sites he's uh he's getting lined up and uh what have you been doing mike yeah so definitely being new into kind of the the hunting aspect of it like i said my my background's always been able to cook whatever's brought to me and stuff like that uh but unfortunately i had a, a, a spot that i had been hunting for the last three years that uh got sold off to a, a development company uh, but I was able to use some of my resources and, and gather a fairly large parcel of property that I was given permission by the landowner to hunt on. Um, so we had some good funnels. We walked around the property several times. Uh, it does kind of coincide with some property that they're not open to hunters, but uh, definitely we, we looked around there and we kind of set up some good spots to set up some bait sites and, and some good uh, funnel ways. And we definitely came across some possible bedding areas. Uh, the landowner did point out to me that around a pear tree that there was a fair amount of tracks seen in there. So that was the last place we kind of backtracked to and we were able to find a large, uh, what we presume was a large buck track and some smaller doe tracks. Uh, and since then, uh, check my trail cameras, I've definitely come across a, a good sized bear track as well. Um, trail cameras really haven't been shown too much, but uh, we'll just keep looking for the evidence and we'll go from there. Uh, obviously, I've, I've dropped some carrots and we've... Uh, start working on a different uh, mineral concentration uh, and we'll just see what works. Yeah, it's a nice location. Uh, Mike took me out and we were out there, so when we were out there scouting and he's got three fields with uh, two different funnels, uh, a good water source and uh, good food sources. So it's, uh, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of sign there. So I think, uh, I think you're gonna have pretty good luck there. And I, I think that you mentioned that you found uh, when they burned those fields off this past year that they found a number of sheds in there in a similar in a, in a similar area so yeah like i said for not seeing anything on the trail cameras but to obviously get the tracks that have been trapped in some soft soil around the uh, garden area uh, to obviously see that there was three you know one being a very nice decent sized one uh, and some smaller as well uh, haven't really had a chance to really see what may be matching or genetically wise uh, what may be happening there, but uh, nice to see that there obviously is some sign that there is some deer there, and uh, hopefully this will be something that I can grow into and and definitely explore a little bit more. Yeah, the sheds look a little bit in hard shape, but they're all three sizes and uh, they still sound good when you're watering for them. So 
that could be something that you could use those sheds for anyways. Get that crease out off your hands there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So uh, I've been preparing, and, and for as most of you guys know, I, I, I hunt in different areas for different uh, times of the season. So I keep my, my cameras out year-round. Um, Moultrie is, is, uh, are the cameras that I typically use, and, and uh, they're pretty good. I mean, I've had some cameras out there for two years now, and I, I haven't had to change the batteries on them yet uh, i will have to change them here in the next uh week or two i expect so uh there's a couple couple spots my bow my bow spot uh where it's between it is between two fields and has a nice funnel and a water source um that uh, i've been baiting and i've been using our uh, our mineral formula down there and have had uh, and our new product which is a it's a type of a licking stump that uh, we'll talk about in a later on episode uh, Mike's also using one as well, and we're seeing how they how they work. But uh, I've been using this mineral site for six years now, and even when I'm not putting my my minerals out there, the deer's are in, the deer are in there digging and, and uh, chewing at the the soil. So they're they're coming in. I mean, the, this these mineral packs are, are hard for them to uh, to get in, that, in nature. So they'll they'll come in for them and, and uh, they'll they'll be there year round. So that's the site I've been focusing fairly heavily on. I have another one that's a that's a later season site um, that I that I start uh, about a little about another month I'll start baiting at that site uh, and checking my camera a bit more. And then I have a another one that's for late season rifle hunting, which I don't put any bait out at all and I don't bother with cameras. Uh, usually some nice uh, some nice deer in there. I usually shoot a nice buck in there every year. Uh, but I find when I start mucking around in there, that's it. I don't uh, I don't have any luck after that. So, but uh, yeah, no, I think we're all super excited. It's like uh, Christmas Eve for us, and uh, we can't wait to to get out there in the in the morning and uh, freeze our asses off in our our tree stands and our blinds and see what comes out. Okay. So I guess we decided we'll uh, we're going to talk a bit about uh, you know site prep, finding the proper sites, what type of bait to use. Um, this is all obviously relevant, and and, and it's going to differ very very much on where you hunt, whether you know in Nova Scotia where we're at, uh, you know, uh, or in other parts of of Canada or or the United States. So here, where we where we live, uh, we are in a unique situation where we have a number of different habitat types that kind of spread from one side of the province to the other, and, and our weather changes drastically from uh, you know 30 minutes to the next. So you know when we're picking a, a lot of what we hunt, are obviously our fields. Uh, there's a lot of uh, agriculture, so. Um, I know that last year Chris had been hunting out south where there was a lot of forestry out there and not as much agriculture. So those deer out south typically um, look for a different feed source and, and they're usually hungry for that feed source. The deer that we are hunting here on the valley floor, and Chris doesn't hunt on the valley floor, I'll, I'll just make the, the point of that, um, essentially uh, are not starved for food so bait is not a, a big draw for the deer here there's just they can walk from one field to the next and one orchard to the next and there's plenty of food 
what we have to choose from here is what we're going to decide to feed or bait our bait our our deer with, uh, because you know if we're if we're going to put an apple pile uh, beside an orchard, there's nothing unique about that that that, that bait pile. They they want something that's going to be fairly unique. So uh, a lot of the farmers that we hunt on their land, they they rotate their crops from one year to the next. So you know corn, alfalfa, um, you know carrots or whatnot. So it changes from year to year, but some of my favorite bait that I find in the locations that I hunt are carrots. Um, I mean, deer can have ready uh, accessibility to, to apples at any given time around here. And quite often we do use corn, but corn is, is quite easy for them to get to in, in the adjacent field. So I know Mike hunts in a similar uh, area to me, but down, down the valley. Um, Chris hunts on a mountain. Uh, there is agriculture up there, uh, so there is some farming, and, and Logan is again on the valley floor. So we're all kind of dealing with the same thing, but it's it's each one of the areas that we hunt is fairly unique, right? So for me this year, again, I've, I've been trying to stick to carrots. Unfortunately for us, uh, given it, you know, COVID or, or what has gone on, carrots are very scarce. So I've had to uh, bring in in more apples. Unfortunately, you know, when you bring in more apples, uh, the deer aren't drawn in as, as, as readily to them and, and you're getting more bare in, into your bait piles. Uh, the, the apples just draw them in, right? Um, that's why I've been supplementing again with, with our, uh, our special formula of, of minerals. Uh, which keeps the deer coming regardless. Um, so for me, again, I've tried to focus on where I am baiting on carrots. Um, I know Chris mentioned that he's decided he really wasn't going to bait this year, but uh, maybe I'll just move it over to him and, and let him, you know, discuss when picking his areas what what was the determining factors there. Well, for quite ever since for hunting for me, it's on the family farm. So I got a pretty good regimen of where the deer pop in and out all the time and I've tried the baiting in the past and had some success with it but it was never the go-to because the, the one of the local dairy farmers he rents the fields from from a father and uh, he plants alfalfa in the, in the field so the deer are not attracted to carrots or apples until that field is clean. So it's never really a big, it's never a big draw. So that's why I started trying with some scents with a scrape fix. And I found using the scents didn't really draw it. But when I left the vine out all year and the deer hit that all year, they'd hit it every time coming before they come into the field. And that way I've had a lot more success with that. Now this year too, I, I got plans hopefully later on, probably the beginning of next year is to dig out the old pond, get some more water, start hunting over water maybe next year is going to be another plan for me because we seem to be early season for us now it seems to be over 20 degrees almost every day now so I think that's going to be the deer just as thirsty as we are so I think that's going to be, lead to some success going forward as well. Yeah that's a that's a key point that Chris just made there our season you know bow season starts for us uh, 14th of, uh, of September and uh, you know, you can have temperatures in thirty, you know, the thirty degree range where you know you're you're prepping to get out in the fi in the field, and the, the equipment you would normally wear uh, to keep yourself warm, uh, you're you're sweating you're sweating to death. 
in in it. And uh, you know, another thing to to kind of keep in mind too, and and this, uh, you know, came into play my first my first bow season when I when I shot a deer. Um, I had always shot a deer, uh, you know, and in, in usually in November, November, early December, and and uh, it was cool. So we could clean, you know, you could leave your deer a bit, you could let it hang for a week, um, and and if the butcher wasn't ready for you, you could you could wait. You can't wait when it's early season and it's 30 degrees out, even 20 degrees out. Um, you need to have, be prepared to get that to the butchers and get it cut up or you're going to lose your, your harvest. It's going to go bad. I mean, I think uh, the first year that I shot, it was 30 degrees, 31 degrees that day. And the only thing that saved my, my deer was the fact that I didn't skin it. I left, uh, I left the skin on it, packed it with ice to get the temperature down. And uh, within four hours, I got it to the, uh, to the uh, butcher but below was already starting to form around any of the parts where uh, you know the the meat was bare. Um, it didn't ruin anything, but if I left it any longer, it would have. Now, uh, the one tip that the butcher did tell me, he said, if you get a deer and it's warm like that, take pepper with you and rub down all the you know leave the leave the hide on, get the temperature down, but all the areas that that are showing. You know, rub pepper on it. The flies don't like the pepper; they won't form on it. So that's what I've been doing early with my early season har harvests. So uh, that's so shooting a deer early season is is uh, something you have to plan for as well. And quite often, most of us are trying to run into the woods as quick as we can and get a hunt in before work or after work or before we go to an event. And uh, unfortunately, we go in. Sometimes we don't really think about what happens if we drop a deer <laughs> do we have enough time to deal with it so you know uh if you drop a deer obviously you have to deal with it but uh, the rest of your evening is uh dedicated to that deer so uh, i'll move over to uh to logan logan what you know what have you been doing i know you've been hunting the same the same property for for the last what three years now yeah. Uh, the same area you know what was uh, what was your considerations in picking that location and what type of feed you use oh we mainly use carrots when we can find them this year it's been difficult it was easy in July and August I had a spot up nails for those selling them and start of September they run out so I had to switch to apples they still eating them but it's not the same I don't think because they're easy to find apples around here a carrot, there's also a carrot field fairly close to where I'm hunting, so that's also a bonus, but a setback. And my ground blind's 70 yards from a big pond, so it's a lot of water sources right in that area. So it's good things then to have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Mike, I know that I helped you pick your your new location this year, and and. Uh, and some of the key things that we we always look for when scouting out new sites you know particularly around uh, agricultural fields are, are these funnels and you'll hear us refer to funnels all the time and and uh, I, I hunt the funnels uh, and uh, that's kind of how we set Mike up this year when uh, you know he has three fields that join together and usually you'll you'll see in between fields there are the vegetated areas and they're usually either wetlands or s small streams and uh, that's where these deer like to travel along. They like to travel along these areas, um, kind of deer highways, and it funnels them so that they're not out in the open all the time. So 
you know, I know that uh, that's one of Mike's was one of Mike's determining factors. But what were the other determining factors for you, Mike, in in, in that location and what you're using for your bait? So yeah, so obviously speaking to the funnels, the the water source that we did find was pretty dried up. Um, so I've tried to by using different Google Maps and different forms of stuff. I'm trying to figure out where possible water uh, access may be coming from as well. Um, Obviously, there were some old orchard trees, apple trees on the property, so we knew that they were obviously able to feed off that quite easily, which is kind of why we necessarily didn't go with apples. We decided to go with carrots, uh, and there's also some, some dairy fields around there as well, so there's potential for them to be feeding off the dairy fields as well as a cornfield quite close to. Uh, kind of unique place is uh, or feature with where I'm hunting is actually that there's a pear tree, uh, and that's where we found to get a lot of our uh, our track traps. Uh, we, that's where we were able to find the big uh, buck track and some smaller doe and, and the bear track as well. Uh, the property owner kind of runs a, a, f a small farm market business. Uh, so he uses those pears, but he also uses a small garden to plant some small foliage and stuff like that, uh, which has all been cleaned up prior to hunting season. Um, so yeah, with the pears, it's kind of a unique thing. So we decided to go with carrots. Uh, they really haven't touched the carrots very much. There's some small nibbles or whatever. Uh, but the big thing that has been has been that mineral concentration that we've been formulating and stuff like that uh, based on what Derek has seen in the past and what works with him. Uh, so yeah, definitely underneath that, we've got definitely some, some licking going on and we've got some, some nice digging uh, as well. So, so that's kind of where we're going with, with that. Is And like I said, hopefully over time, We'll start to get more of that waterway back and we'll get some more consistent because uh, obviously like I said with the funneling between those three fields there's potential come rifle season uh, to actually set up where we have done the minerals now looking into a lower field and uh, hopefully we'll get some more chase uh, once we get closer to uh, to rifle season. So. Yeah we had a very an extremely dry dry summer uh, and uh, and a lot of the water sources dry up, and I know this has been a problem at Mike's site uh, for years now. His water source, he has a great water source there, but it dries up in, in, in the heat of the summer. Um, and, and Mike's going to run into the same problem at his site. Um, I'm lucky enough that uh, my area is low enough that uh, it stays wet year-round. Sometimes it's, it's uh, you know, it's running like ducks. Other times it's... Uh, it's just basically still water, but there's always water there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the key thing to look for when, when looking for some of these sites. Uh, I know um, for, for us, the early season sites are a little bit different than your late season sites. Your early season sites are more driven by food, bedding, where late season sites are going to be driven by where the, the bucks are going, chasing the does to rut. Um, Bucks aren't as eager to eat when they're looking, chasing does around, and uh, you know does are just looking to try to to get away from the bucks and and get a little peace and quiet until until they come into you know season as well. So um, yeah, those are some of the key factors in us trying to find our sites, and and every site's going to be different. If you're looking, if you're up on the South Mountain, you know you're going to be looking for areas. There's not as many. Uh, agricultural fields you're going to be looking for cuttings because uh you know forestry is one of your your main industries up there and you're going to be feeding with a different type of, of bait 
your deer are going to look very different up off the south mountain. Uh, you know, they're going to be darker, they're going to be feeding on different uh, different food sources uh, than you will on the valley floor. So. Welcome to the 3F's Kitchen, where in a day we're talking about what do you do with all that extra meat that's still in the freezer? Because we all know once hunting season start, starts, freezer space is at a premium. It's pretty simple. A lot of us look to turn to jerkies. Many of us may have our own smokers at home, may even decide to do a dry age on our meat before jer turning it into jerky. But what if you don't have a smoker? The easiest thing is just use your oven. Low, low, lower. How low can your oven go? It's pretty simple. I've done jerky many ways this, this way. Biggest thing is take your oven as low as it can go. My oven at home goes 150. Just put a little skewer in the door, open it up, and lets the uh, lets it dehydrate a little bit more. The biggest thing to add as well, add that little earthy tone to your jerky, is make mushroom powders. Here in Nova Scotia, we've got chanterelles, morels, lobster mushrooms, chicken of the woods, and puffball mushrooms. Same thing, dehydrate in the oven, low, low, low. Once you get that, you want to put that in a blender. You want to um, really emulsify that. You want to get that nice powdery and just sprinkle it on just before your jerky decides to set and really get that nice crispiness you're looking for. Just sprinkle it on there. It's a nice add touch to your jerky recipe. Like I said, how low do you want to go? Thanks for joining us on the back porch. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram under the back porch outdoors.